Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. So I was on a flight to the Middle East recently, and the kindly old captain on the Delta flight that I was on came out. He's the kind of guy who would talk to all the people, you know, standing out where he could be seen talking over the sound system. And he said, you know, my grandson is really enamored of having a grandfather who flies jets. And so I've bought him a little model plane. And he said recently this little boy was doing what he had heard his grandfather do. So he, the little boy had the plane on the runway, his little toy runway, and he was talking to the people. And he said, ladies and gentlemen, please sit down. Please buckle your seatbelts and don't freak out. (laughs) (laughs) And so this captain said, ladies and gentlemen, that's my advice to you. Please sit down, buckle your seatbelt, and don't freak out. Well, I thought that was pretty funny. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Don't freak out at what is going on in our society. We're living at a very unusual time. Uh, We have a lot of really mind-blowing things happening in our society. We're seeing things in the news constantly uh, that are causing problems and uh, raising concerns and causing people to be afraid. But don't freak out. Out. We are in better shape than anybody wants to talk about. Cling to your faith, cling to God, uh, cling to each other, and cling to your confidence uh, that history is marching basically in a good direction uh, as far as Americans are concerned, at least in the areas that we're talking about now. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, I believe that we are in the death rattle of a kind of a white supremacy that has settled in among misfits, um, uh, amongst a people who feel disenfranchised, uh, amongst an angry, misfit, largely young, largely male tribe who are using white supremacist philosophy as an, an excuse for not performing. Uh, these people sit on the edges of society and they finger their guns and they read Nazi literature and they comfort themselves that they are a superior race when they're not. And let me tell you that I sit here as a card-carrying white man. As I say this, um, I believe that all races, all ethnicities were made in the image of God. Uh, I believe they're all good and noble and beautiful. So I believe about the white race, what I believe about the black race, what I believe about any other race or ethnicity. Uh, We are all made in the image of God. We are all noble. We are all potentially good. And yeah, we are all flawed. And in my Christian theology, we are all sinners. So yes, there are disgusting white people and disgusting black people and disgusting Asian people and disgusting Hispanic and disgusting people of every kind. Why? Because sin has settled into the human race. But overall, what we're seeing in America today are people like Dylan Roof. Dylan Roof is the man who went to a prayer meeting at a Charleston church and decided to kill a lot of older African Americans who were in a prayer meeting who had been gracious to him. Why? Because he just needed to kill some black people. They were just taken over. Dylan Roof is the kind of guy who would sit in a room with a bunch of his buddies and talk about how blacks had taken away everybody's privilege and and how they were intermarrying with whites and and he would finger his guns and buy ammunition and and point his guns at the TV, at the press and blame everybody but himself and perhaps the white 
uh, lower class culture that was immediately around him. And I don't use the phrase lower class very much, but I'm talking about the kind of low class that people make for themselves. People who are uh, low class by virtue of oppression or economic disability and things like that. That's a whole different situation. And those of you who listen to this podcast regularly know that I believe that. Or, or, Or the kind of person I'm talking about is not just Dylan Roof, but also James Field. James Fields is the idiot who decided to uh, involve himself in the uh, race riot, basically, that was taking place in Charlottesville. And so he drove his car into the crowd, killing a girl and wounding about nine or 10 others. Uh, This, again, was a young man whose professors were concerned about him, who sat around thinking about Nazi ideology, uh, who who wanted to see, so he said, uh, non-white races uh, gassed and killed. This is is a misfit. This is a person sitting on the edge of society. Um, This is the misanthrope. This is the person who, uh, who is comforting himself with an extremist idea because he himself has failed. His culture has failed. His family has failed. Um, his, his, his immediate, his way of living, his, cho- his choices have failed him. And so he is in a mentally imbalanced way, taken comfort in a white supremacist ideology. But we all know that this is not America as a whole. And we need to be wise enough to recognize that America is not moving increasingly racist. In fact, look at the response against these idiots. In America, for the most part, it's condemnation. It's probably a little overreaction, but at least least it's a reaction of some kind in the right direction. We don't want racism. We don't want a celebration of Nazism. We don't want a celebration of of the destructive aspects uh, of the Confederacy. And I speak as a man born to, so- to a Southern father in, in, in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, and, and of course, parts of the Confederacy were absurd and ridiculous. And of course, the slavery system um, was malicious and terrible and horrifying and sinful and, 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 and bordered on genocide in some parts of the world. Of course, all that is true. And we all need to accept it. But that's not where our society is now for the most part. Not, not at all. Um, arguably the most popular woman in America is a black woman who sings named Beyonce. I see, I don't, not much enamored of her music, but she's arguably the most popular woman in America today. Uh, I could go on and on and on. We are not for the most part, uh, to the largest percentage, a racist society. Instead, what we are seeing is the death rattle of misfit, lower class, disenfranchised, angry, and sometimes emotionally and mentally imbalanced whites. And again, that's not accusing most whites. That's not saying anything other than that these are the people who are driving their cars into pro- groups of protesters uh, who are shooting up a black prayer meeting where they've just been very kind to him. Um, these are the kind of idiots who get the press, but they are, they are not indicative of our society. So the good news, the reason we shouldn't freak out is that we are living in a society uh, that is not, for the most part, racist. Yes, we've got some racist systems built into our government, and they're racists in a variety of ways. We haven't worked out quite um, everything with affirmative action. And yes, sometimes uh, people are, are, are there, there is a certain bigotry in the system. And sometimes there is an unfairness against Asians, against whites, against sometimes even blacks. One of my best friends is an extremely accomplished uh, black man. And, and he has that affirmative action thing hung around his neck all the time. Although he worked himself through all of his degrees, got degrees in the Ivy League. Uh, he's not happy with the system either. So 
we've got things to work out. We've got systems to fine tune, but we all know that we're living in uh, largely an egalitarian, relatively loving society. Look what's going on in Texas right now. And with, with the way people are being cared for and the way people are being rescued and it's going across ethnic lines, that's the greatness of America. Now, the second thing I want to say is that I certainly can understand why a largely African-American community white might not want a statue to a slaveholder and a man who fought for slavery uh, in the middle of their community. I can get that. And I think we all can understand that. But I want to just make a suggestion. It's just a suggestion. It's not an insistence. I have no authority to insist, but it's just a thought. Some statues probably do need to come down, and that's up to local standards. And we don't need to have to go crazy and start pulling down uh, every statue in America uh, to to a slave owner, or we're going to basically erase the founding fathers. Um, but we we I would suggest that one of the ways that we can go is by reinterpreting these statues, and that's not just a a dainty way to get around. Uh, the, the hard realities of some of these statues. Uh, let me give you a, an indication, for example, that I certainly understand why some people would be concerned about statues of Robert E. Lee. But Robert E. Lee was anti-slavery. There's no question about it. Robert E. Lee was anti-slavery. And the reason he fought was that he was opposed to the invasion of the South by the North, essentially the North blaming the South for slavery. So states' rights were his issue. So, so could it be that the better way to go with the statues of Robert E. Lee is not to uh, tear them down, but to reinterpret them and then say, here's a statue of Robert E. Lee. He was opposed to slavery, but so loved his homeland of Virginia that he fought for states' rights, or so loved the U.S. Constitution that he fought for states' rights. Stonewall Jackson, Thomas Jackson, was another uh, famous Confederate general. He, too, was opposed to slavery. In fact, he, he actually ran a Sunday school for slave children and urged white owners to free their slaves. He was opposed to slavery, but he did fight for the Confederacy and he did so on the basis of states' rights. I'm not trying to whitewash these guys and I, and I choose those words advisedly. I, I, maybe some statues do need to come down and we, we need to think about that. Um, but it, it's possible that maybe the nobler thing to do would be to reinterpret it. Wouldn't a black child living in Virginia rather see a statue uh, of, a, of a Robert E. Lee who was opposed to slavery but fought for his state and fought for the Constitution? Wouldn't that be ennobling to a black child in Virginia? I don't know. I'm not black and I defer to my black friends on that issue, but it's something to consider. I certainly can understand why a black man might be very concerned about a uh, a statue to, uh, of Nathan Bedford Forrest. Nathan Bedford Forrest uh, was the general at Fort, uh, Fort Pillow that was just uh, a vicious, vicious battle where blacks were slaughtered. Um, and he was also the founder of the KKK. But I'm not defending the man. I find the KKK absolutely disgusting. But later on, uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest uh, became a, a Christian believer and closed the, the KKK. Um, and, and refused to open it again and actually spoke against it. Well, which, which, which is better? I, I'm not suggesting that we have statues to Nathan Bedford Forrest everywhere. Nashville's been in a controversy about such a statue for years, and I wish the thing would just come down. But the bottom line is sometimes where you have established statues, they can either be moved indoors or moved private, or perhaps in some cases, they could be reinterpreted so they're ennobling to everybody. It's just a suggestion. It's just a thought. 
um, especially when you're dealing with people who were opposed to the very thing we are opposed to and the very th- and the very reason that people are tearing down the statues. It's a little bit weird to tear down a statue of Robert E. Lee when he was opposed to slavery in the first place. And I say that as an outspoken opponent of slavery and an outspoken opponent of racism, but also as an outspoken opponent for accurate history. So it's just something we might want to consider in some communities. At the same time, I certainly get why uh, a black community, let's say in Tennessee, would not want a statue of Nathan Bedford Forrest in their town square. And that's where local standards of morality and local sensitivities and, and ethnic issues should prevail. But nevertheless, don't freak out. None of this is an indication of where we are going as a society. We've made tremendous strides. We have an extremely racist past in America, and we're moving rapidly forward. A final thing I want to say on these on this whole issue of don't freak out and what's going on currently in our society. Uh, a final thing I want to say is this. Be careful how you feed The problem with James Fields, the problem with Dylan Roof is that they ate one semi-intellectual, actually stupid diet all the time. They read racist material. They watched racist videos. They listened to racist news. And so they became what? Racist. As you feed, so you will become. You become what you behold is the old statement. And so the fact is that we will become what we feed on. If you watch Fox all day and only read hard right, uh, very conservative literature, and I'm not accusing Fox of being hard right. You know, I appear on there all the time. Um, The fact is that that's what you'll become. I recommend you read broadly. I recommend you read your enemies. Uh, I use an app called Flipboard to uh, to aggregate a lot of different kinds of material uh, that I read. I read gay literature. I read communist literature. I read uh, radical Islam liter- literature. I read the ISIS magazine. Um, why? Because I want to, yeah, in some cases I want to understand those I oppose, but also I want to be able to have compassion within the context of American society. Um, I, I have acquaintances and friends who are gay. I want to understand their struggle, even though I uh, obviously or traditional Christian have my concerns in that area. And and I've been very clear about those uh, in this podcast. So be careful how you feed. I'm constantly urging my young friends I speak with on college campuses and work with and so on. Feed broadly, read left and right. Don't just read those who agree with you and and, uh, and can just confirm your own thinking. Read broadly, be willing to be challenged. The point's not to move away from your core values, uh, especially when I'm talking about religious core values. The point is to be informed. The point is to be compassionate. The point is not to be an idiot when you make a case. The point is to be able to reach beyond lines. I'm definitely a traditional Christian. That's what I believe religiously. That's how I worship. But I've got to walk in this society with people I disagree with. That's always been the greatness of America. So I'm going to reach uh, reach across lines. Um, I'm trying to make a little bit of a difference in Texas. I used to live in Abilene, so I have great uh, concern for them. And I have dear friends, by the way, in Victoria and Houston and elsewhere in South Texas. Well, I'm going to cross arms and join hands with every kind of person, not even having a conversation about religious 
differences or ethnic differences, we're going to go and rescue people, going to go and make a difference, going to send money, going to try to rebuild, going to fix churches, going to fix mosques, going to fix fixed synagogues, going to help people. Um, that's what it, that's the greatness of America. And yeah, on Sunday morning and during the week, I will observe devotions and worship at my church uh, according to my faith. If if I'm if I was the only one in America who held my faith, I still would worship um, the, the way that I worship. But then I'd get up uh, from the, my knees and prayer and worship in my church, and I would uh, go out and uh, try to build a better America uh, to the glory of God, frankly, and building locking arms with a great many people. So let me again cite the wisdom of my uh, captain on that Delta flight heading to the Middle East. Sit down. Put your seatbelt on. Yeah, you got to protect a little bit. It's going to be a little bit bumpy, but don't freak out. Good things are happening. We're much further than what we were. Realize this is the death rattle of something that needs to die, this white supremacist garbage. Feed well, feed wisely, and think about how to maybe act in some moderation without the extremism of our time. I want to say one more thing. Please do give to the various organizations that are helping in South Texas. You can help with the Red Cross. You can help through your church, your mosque, your synagogue. Uh, There are a lot of ways to provide relief, but this is a little bit worse than we've been told. It's not so much the initial storm, um, but the flooding. And by the way, when I say something like a little worse than we've been told, I'm not assuming that the press is keeping anything from us. It's just catching everybody by surprise. So it's bad. It's getting a little bit worse because of the flooding. The land down there is flat. The water's not receding as it might on a, on a more hilly, uh, slanted toward the ocean kind of landscape. There's going to be a lot of devastation. Thank God there hasn't been much loss of life, um, but the economic rebuilding is going to be huge. The personal rebuilding, the lives devastated. Uh, we need to help. Please give. Please give big. And if you're part of an organization, a large church, network of some kind, business uh, that can get down there and make a difference on site, then do it. These are important days, and we want to be showing who we are by how we give and how we care for people. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.